The following production is part of the We Be Geeks podcast collective. Produced with podcasting gear from Tascam, including the Tascam Mini Studio. Trust your audio to Tascam. Sound thinking. Microphones and headphones provided by CAD Audio. CAD Audio, expression through innovation. Crisis for the geek kind. Top geek officials admit they underestimated the hipster's defense capability. Geeks from all over the globe are joining up to fight for the future. They're doing their part. Are you? Join Weeby Geeks and the Geek Revolution and save the world. Service guarantees citizenship. citizenship. Want to know more? Do not attempt to adjust your device. This is Extreme Freedom Audio Bulletin. It cannot be traced. It cannot be stopped. And it is the only free voice left in the Geek Revolution. And welcome to another episode of Weeby Geeks. It is the dashing duo, Derek and myself, Mike. And, uh, well, it happened a little sooner than we expected. We were planning for June 12th, and no, it's not June 12th. It is the end of Mar- end of May. God, almost said the end of March. <laughs> it feels like the end of March. It is almost the end of May, beginning of June. It is that weekend. Um, and because of um, having to do some bouncing around, we were able to bring in uh, the person who really hates our shows. I mean, hates us a lot. Um, and he's our good friend, Neil Johnson. How's it going? Oh, it's going good. How are you guys going? I, yes, I do listen. I know. We get, the, we get the hate mail all the time. Yeah. <laughs> calling us nobodies. We don't know what we're talking about. How dare we? <laughs> sure, sure, sure. That's- no, but it, it's, it's good to see you again. Yeah. Talk to you, I should say. Yeah, it's actually nice to see you because, you know, I, I as I said, I actually listen. I'm a podcast junkie, you see. And I, I listen to you guys a lot, and it's funny to look at you guys now, and actually, you know, because it's a whole different experience. It's it's very exciting. It's a pity there's not a video podcast. Yeah. You guys are good looking. Uh, uh, sure, I, yeah. I, I, I will. I will disagree with that. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I don't know. May, maybe eventually we will do the uh, video thing as we're if recording. You ever, if you ever do, I'll, I'll give you a whole bunch of photos from my films, and you just run it like a slideshow. You know, it'd be fun. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Well, if we do a video, make sure I know about it so I can put some pants on. Yeah, I see that. I see you have no pants on. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just taking a photo. Hang on. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, so... We we chatted with another good friend of ours, part of the uh, three time club for for the show, um, and, and I'm thinking now she may be the the first member of that three time club. Um, I still haven't gone back and checked records yet. That's Tracy Birdsville, isn't it? Yes, yes, it sure is. And That's the actress from the movie. I'm gonna I'm gonna try to do her. I'm gonna try to do her um, her filmography. She's. She's from the uh, film I Might Even Love You, 1992 or 94 it came out. Uh, and what else was she in? Uh, 
let's see, Rogue Warrior Robot Fighter. Yeah, which uh, we both own copies of. Yes. Great film. And, I may and have, that, I may have also, to do with that movie. And that was also starring Marion Gigliotti, who's returning yeah. in Clerks 3. I know, that makes me happy. And, oh yeah, that's right. And uh William um Kirch- William Kircher from from The Hobbit. The Hobbit, yes. And Daz Crawford from uh Blade Two and Agents of Shield and Stephen Manley from Star Trek Three. He was the young Spock who did the Pong Fa with um Oh that's uh, right. Yeah. When you get, oh, when you get Dennis cool. on uh Mighty Marvel Geeks. Even well, though he, it, even though he was in like one or two episodes, it still counts. Yeah, but he's fun. He's fun to talk to. You know? Well, we we just had um, through we've had someone who's been a guest on this show who is officially now part of the Agents of Shield family, and that's Joseph Culp, who just appeared as Governor Franklin Delano Roosevelt in the first episode of Agents of Shield. Oh wow! Oh, I haven't watched. Oh, uh, then I'll just leave it right there. <laughs> It's a yeah. good episode. Yeah, good episode. <laughs> uh, but over on Mighty Marvel Geeks, uh, we had him on you know, to talk about the 1994 Fantastic Four. Uh, and of course, Alex Hyde Wright played a. Uh, when they go back in time to an early thing with Hydra before they end up going to the, the planet. This is back when um, Brett Dalton was still on the show. So I we're talking. I've seen these episodes. This would be uh, season three or season four. Yeah, you see, I've, I've got to catch up. I'm so and, far behind on everything. Uh, Alex Hyde Wright was in that. So so over there, we had two people who, who have had bit parts on, on S.H.I.E.L.D. Still yeah. trying to get someone from the actual cast over there. But um, but no, Rogue One or Rogue Warrior, great. <laughs> you, 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 sir, you have just touched on the problem we had. Yeah. Rogue One and Warrior <laughs> came out at the same time. I'll bet, yeah. Yeah, oh, that Rogue, was Rogue, Rogue Warriors, great and, movie. And then there was Mission Impossible, Rogue Nation, or whatever, Rogue something else. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. All at the same time, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah and, and Tracy Birdsell's in Rogue, Rogue Warrior, Robot Fighter. Originally, it was just Robot Fighter, but it just sounded, and it was going to be Robot Apocalypse. But then Spielberg was going to do a robot apocalypse movie. So I just thought, better move it away from that. So it became robot. And then it was saying, everyone said, oh, you're making the comic book, you know, Magnus Robot Fighter into a, into a movie. I said, no, no, no this, is, this is definitely not that movie. It's more 2000 AD type of, you know, movie than, than Magnus Robot Fighter. So then it was Rogue Warrior Robot Fighter. And then it sounds like Road Warrior. Oh, uh, yeah. So, you know, what's in a name? <laughs> well, it's a great movie. It's Thank a very you. fun movie. Yeah. Well, I, I think there was, there was probably, uh, you know, for those who don't know, it's about this – the, Tracy Birdsell's fighting robots, but it's it, it's kind of a character journey, shall we say. There was another 20, 30 minutes of the movie that you have never seen. Uh, so I was always going to do a director's really? cut. And, yeah, and there's a lot in it. It's a lot of backstory. But, you know, mm-hmm. distributors want action. They don't want character and story. So I had to cut some of that out. Um, so I was going to do a director's cut version. And then I thought, I'll just do a little bit more, then a little bit more, then a little bit more. And all of a sudden, you know, I just got a little bit crazy. I thought, ah, I've got to get another movie out. And I'm thinking to myself, why don't I do a sequel to it? I've already got this other footage, shot a bit more. And then and it was like, nobody wants movies anymore because everyone's into TV series. This is this. And I, I didn't, and I wanted to do an extended version of Rogue Warrior. And I realized I've got about five hours worth of content. So Rogue Warrior is now going to be a TV series uh-huh. called 
Age of Darkness, and it's oh, about cool. five hours of content. So it'll it, it'll it'll include maybe a half an hour of stuff before Rogue Warrior. Road Rogue Warrior. See, I can't even speak. So it'll be <laughs> half an hour of stuff before the Robot Fighter movie. Then there'll be the Robot Fighter movie with an extended version with other stuff in it. And then there'll be uh, another two hours of content after that. And it's all one big story. So, that, you know, it's not really a movie anymore. It's not, you know, I, I like to think of these as five-hour movies or six-hour movies, but it's basically a uh, TV series. So and that makes me really happy because I wanted to explore the character a bit more. And, and actually, I was even talking – after we, Tracy Birdsell was on your show, we were chatting about how much you liked the movie, and she said – uh, I said, yeah, like, she can't wait to revisit it. And because she's been doing other movies and stuff, right. and she says, I want to get back to that universe. So at some point, there's going to be an extra half an hour, 45 minutes shot. What happens before, you know, before all this as well? There's more story to tell. And, you know, it, it's, I, I don't want to say too much, but it's kind of more Star Wars. He's kind of like Han Solo, female in space, having adventures and stuff, but a little bit post-apocalyptic. But it's all character-driven, and uh, it's very he heavy character stuff in it. So, it, you know, it's it's just, you know how much you like to see Luke Skywalker's adventures and stuff. Yeah. You know, it's the same, I won't say the same type of story, it's not, but it's the same uh, attention to character. Our, our addresses are. Yeah. <laughs> 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 and who was your favorite character apart from Tracy Birdsell in the movie Rogue Warrior? Besides Tracy? Yeah. And uh, I'm split between Marilyn and, and William. Interesting. What about Hoagland? I, I liked Hoagland. It's... <laughs> I know. I see. I'm after the quirky. Got it. I, 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 I'm. Yeah. I mean, I, I, all I gotta say is one of my favorite films from the '80s was, or was slash is, because I own several copies. Howard the Duck. So that should explain uh -huh. everything right there. Oh, that was a weird movie. I know. That one was so strange. What, I mean, I, I get it, you know, but what, it's not what were they thinking, but it's, it's, I, I can't explain that movie, uh, you know, I'm, I'm glad to hear you enjoyed it, because I remember watching it as a, as a younger man being very confused by it, yet enjoying it, but I'm not sure why, and that the girl with the teeth there, the, you know, um, the main girl in Leah, that. Leah Thompson. Leah Thompson, Leah yeah. Leah Thompson. Yeah. Well, I had a, I had a crush, a crush on that. We all had, the, I think we all did. What, walking, doing that crawl across the bed just to find Howard to sleep? Mm -hmm. Stupid yeah. Howard. <laughs> Doesn't matter how Didn't long Howard you... the Duck make an appearance in a movie recently? Guardians. Uh, the Marvel... God, it's right, yes. Oh, yes. Guardian yeah, films. Yeah. Yes. I, I like the fact that Howard's there. I'm not sure I'm keen on the look of Howard. Yeah, I know what you're saying, but here's an interesting point. Without Howard the Duck, there probably wouldn't be the uh, the raccoon character in, in you know Guardians of the Galaxy. They're very similar. Rocket, yeah. yeah. Rocket. Mm. They're very similar in tone. Uh, it's, it's just Rocket's done a little bit more, you know, cool. I, <laughs> I'm not sure who came out first, Rocket or, or Howard. I know Howard didn't really start until like 70, I want to say 74, 75. I think Howard the Duck came out first. I do remember it. I don't, because I read the original Guardians of the Galaxy comic. Uh, it was a much more serious comic. Oh, yeah. There was, there was no comedy in that. Oh, okay. 
It yeah. was very, very serious. It was more like a Star Wars rip. Well, it still is. <laughs> well, in the in the characters that we have from the from the movie were not was not the original Guardians team either. No, no, it's true. Yeah, yeah. Star Lord was running around, flying through space like a giant space Jesus, from what I remember. Yeah, but so uh, they, um, but no, um, I I I like the quirk. Um, I mean, I loved Howard the Duck. I I was still in high school, mm-hmm. so I mean, I'm a still, and I've always been a a superhero comic book movie fan. That, yeah. Um, and you know, for that to be the first, and I just found it odd that mm-hmm. that ended up being the first Marvel movie to hit the big screen. Well, was it? Yeah. Was it really? Yeah. Mm, interesting. I thought Spider-Man, but that was a TV series. And, and what they did with the TV series was in, like, I had this argument with one of my coworkers who lived in Puerto Rico. Uh, when the series came out, outside of the U.S., they took the first two episodes of Spider-Man, just like they did with the Batman 66, uh-huh. and and released it as a, as a movie. As a movie. Because they did the same thing with Battlestar Galactica and Buck Rogers in the 70s. Yeah, exactly. They See, were, that's why they I were movies that. first yeah. to introduce the show. Yeah. And I, actually, okay, well, I, that's why I thought Spider-Man was, was originally a, a movie because I, I was living in Australia and that's how it played out. I actually went to see Batman at the theater as a young boy mm-hmm. and I was very young. And somebody paid some guy to dress up as Batman and climb off the roof of the theater in Brisbane, <laughs> Australia. And it was so exciting for me. You've no idea. It was just like the greatest moment of my life. You know, Batman's really there. And then I go yeah. to see him, you know, in the movie. And all the kids were screaming and yelling. It was such a good time. I didn't realize it was a comedy because it was, you know, just I, I took Batman seriously. And then I remember Galactica Camp coming out on the big screen. And they did something with the sound where it was like uh, they turned the volume up. It's like they had a giant subwoofer. They call it some special sound system. So you go in there and it's super loud and the whole theater vibrated. So every time you see the Galactica, it's like they basically had a big subwoofer. Yeah. The whole cinema vibrated like crazy. It's, oh, my God, this is so real. And it was just so epic. It, it overpowered the actual visuals of the film. And I was in, I was entranced with Galactica. I thought this is this is incredible. They've really tried to outdo themselves, you know, with that. But you look back at it now, it's a bit you know, a bit different. Yeah, a bit different. Yeah. I mean, you know, and that that's the that's the journey of a child. You know, as a child, yeah. you get so you're so much more impressionable. And then you yeah. grow up and you move to Hollywood, and then you you run into uh, um, Apollo in, in the in the you know, in the uh, in the restaurant, he sits down. He has uh, having a chat with him, or the actor who plays Apollo. And you, uh, yeah. all he ends up doing is telling about how many women he slept with <laughs> when he was younger. Yeah, <laughs> that's all. And I'm sitting there thinking, dude, I thought you were a science fiction hero. You know, and and you, all you do is talk about it. You had two girls in your bed every night, different girls living on the beach when you're doing Galactica and stuff. Well, but sweet, sweet guy. And then he well, passed you, away. Yeah, we expected that from Starbucks, not all. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe but they I should have passed like, it the other um, way. <laughs> I, exactly. <laughs> By the way, gentlemen, you might like to know that uh, Rock Raccoon first appeared in Marvel Preview number seven in 1976. 
and Howard the Duck first appeared in A Chair Into Fear, number 19, in 1973. Oh, there you go. Yeah, I was off by a couple of years. But I, but I think his first book, though, was in 74, 74. 74, yeah. I think yeah. so, yeah. I remember that. I, as I said, I, I grew up in England, then moved to Australia. And in England, you got the British comics, the 2000 ADs and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, which is great. Big, big influence. Speaking then, of which, did you did you see uh, ah, that they I have the, uh, released a lot of the Judge Dredd books for free <gasps> on the, on they the have? app? Yeah, on their online, you get app. the digital copies for free. Oh, that's good. Uh, that's good. Ooh, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I'm a big Judge Dredd fan. Big. I, 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 I think I think you have to get Jim. the uh, the 2000 AD app. App. And then on there, they've got mm. a bunch of the bunch of the books. Yeah. Oh, awesome. Yeah, the Cursed Earth and all that stuff, it, the, yeah. especially the early black and white stuff. That was a big influence. Yeah. Um, you mm-hmm. know, and it's funny when you go to uh, when I moved to Australia, you couldn't get those comics. What you got was American comics, but Australian versions of them. You know, where they were just a little different. So, mm. like you know, the, and they released Fantastic Four and everything, but they were they came much later on. So that was the thing. But I remember I could pick up Planet of the Apes because that was a hot thing. Yeah, remember that? And, uh, Gold oh, Key? Yeah. Uh, no, no, no. It wasn't Gold Key. Actually, Marvel released Planet of the Apes as a right, – right. uh, Gold Key did Star Trek and the Twilight Zone and right, uh, right. other things like that, you know, and the UFO series. Obsessed with all of that stuff. I mean, that's all I read. But um, it was actually Marvel did a magazine. Now, one of the biggest influences on my movie stuff is uh, – I think beneath the the first Planet of the Apes comic came out and it was drawn in a nice way. But the second Planet of the Apes beneath the Planet of the Apes was drawn differently. And it was this really high end, high detail Gothic artwork that was just everything looked like it was melting all the time. And that just gets stuck in my brain so much that when I like even when I've been doing the time more, I've been ripping on that idea so much. I mean, there is so much of the. the Beneath the Planet of the Apes comic in my films, it's not funny, just the art direction. You know, it it, it mm-hmm. ekes into your subconscious so much that so you just grow up being affected by it, you know. And and I I those those years of reading comics and, you know, only getting your hands on a few comics and the Star Wars comics, of course, and you know, I mean that was that was like gold for me, you know. They were the holy grails and you could yeah. only you could not like America where you could get them all the time. It was like oh, you yeah. found one. It was like, oh my god, I found a Star Wars comic, you know, and, and the, the artwork by the um you know, um uh was so extreme, so interesting, and I just loved well, it. And I find how unless it's an actual Marvel title or publication in that country, um, like I know with Germany it's uh Palatone. Or begins with a P, because uh, one of the years that my parents went to Berlin for a industry steel conference, uh, I asked them, I said, you know, y'all have gotten me some other stuff, which has been really cool, and I love it. I want something unique and different for my Star Wars comic mm-hmm. collection. I want one of the German Star Wars comics. Oh, so it was in the original German. Is this great? It, it's all written in... <laughs> Uh, I see what you did there. It's like Shakespeare and the original Klingon. It's nothing yeah, like exactly. it. Um, <laughs> and it's um, come and I did after I got it, I did some research that they only release it quarterly 
in Germany. Yeah. This particular company. And they, mm-hmm. they do it in a couple different countries. But it's the book is three issues in one. Mm-hmm. And they and it's like they choose like the best cover or the first cover of the three issues as, yeah. as the cover for this. So you miss out on the other two covers. I'm like, oh, this is so cool. And then I just sat there one day. It's like, okay, here's this issue and this issue. And I just start flipping pages. I'm like, this is awesome. Wow. <laughs> and whereas in, in the UK, it was Star Wars Weekly in black and white. So all the Star Wars comics came out weekly. So they needed extra extra stories and you would you would get the story of the day after the death star like you know straight after the award ceremony luke is like standing around going well wow that was interesting what do i do now and he reflects for a minute on on what happens and he decides to go for flying his x-wing and he encounters a, a, a tie fighter pilot who you know got lost and and they have a little battle and they crash on yavin and they fight each other, and then he realizes that it's just a young man just like him, you know, wearing the suit. Well, wasn't that the comic strips? Cool. It sounds like what no. might have been the comic strips here. No, no, no. They, they were separate as well. Um, no, this was just this was just the UK ones. They've reprinted them in the compendiums. But it's oh, the same artist. You I got to uh, find I got to find Who's these. the big artist from, from that, those early days as a star? Uh, is it Walt? Simonson. Walt Simonson, yeah. Was it him it's or one. the other one? Oh. The guy who did the – where everyone had big jaws, you know. The, the, the other big artist was uh, Michael something. Yeah. But anyway, I love my goals. <laughs> but that that was that's that's that was one of the great stories that you never got. And I happened to visit the UK and they came it was issue number 98, 99 and 100 and I was like, "Wow, this is a story I've never seen and and never got printed in the US." But it was it was as it was still Marvel. It was done by the Marvel team. And there was a few stories like that, you know, and I actually uh I actually have a collection of all the Star Wars UK Marvel comics because they came out. I have a full collection of those. Oh, see yeah. now knowing about that, yeah, it's it's on my wish list. You should. All the covers are different. It's it's going to be on my wish list because oh, I'm yeah. I'm slowly wanting to get um all a hundred and was it hundred six hundred seven of the yeah. US run. Mm-hmm. I, I had a, I had them. I sold them all the full set to buy the UK ones. I, I had them as a kid, but with all the different moves, I obviously got rid of them. And of course, you know, and that was during a time period with the 80s where, oh, you're becoming a teenager. You don't read the that type times. of stuff and you don't, you don't play with Star Wars toys. Oh, I'm like, oh, I, no, 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 no. I fought it for a while. That time period now. I fought it for a while. When I sold, <laughs> I sold my Transformers and I, ugh. And then, no. and then, then my parents, you know, go by, oh, I remember when you had this. And I'm like, yeah. And I remember when you forced us to get rid of it. It and if I had it now, I'd be a lot richer because one, I wouldn't be trying to buy it all back, and two, <laughs> some of it may may have been money. Yeah, I had a cardboard Death Star, the UK one. That was my favorite toy. See, the US, Americans had the plastic Death Star. You know, yeah, ours was the three story yeah, tower. Uh, yeah, I yep. saw that. I, I saw that. pictures of it. It was advertised to us. I had to never buy it. I had yeah. it. I had the cardboard palatoy version. See, I, I, I never too. saw. It. I never. I never knew that oh, one existed until you posted. It. Absolutely incredible, and uh, you know, hours of fun. And I, in some ways, it's superior to the plastic one. In some ways, in, in many ways, it is. Yeah. You could you could land the Millennium Falcon, which I didn't have because they didn't couldn't get one. But you, if you had a Millennium Falcon, you could land it just on the edge of the thing and actually, you know, have the docking bay. So. <laughs> See, I would have figured out how to make legs for it and and add it to the top of the Death Star we had. 
Oh, that would have been top. I don't. No, it's pretty it big on the top. I mean, it was about. No, it's about a yard across. It would. It would fit yeah. on. The, it would have fit on the top because the top I was still. See. It was flat under above. I mean, there was a flat piece above the gunner, but you would have to get yeah, some. There was the, the. There was a little tower part on top. Yeah, the elevator. Yeah. 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 That's why I said. This, you, you, I'm look. I'm looking at this thing. But, I don't think it would work. You have to get late. You have to. Get some sort of knowing me, I would have gotten balsa wood or something and made legs for in a small platform to sit behind it. Yeah, you would have to sit on. I think it would have been personally. I think it would have been too top heavy with that on top. Yeah, it was pretty big. See, I, I, I as a child, once I got the cardboard Death Star. Um, and I decided to build the blockade runner out of cardboard. Oh. Man, nothing like a white spaceship, you know. That was, yeah. in fact, yeah, I'm so yeah. obsessed with white spaceships. If you're going, to, sorry, to turn it back to Rogue Warrior, but if you look at some of the uh, the, the, the corridors, uh, we had this big white corridor, and that was blockade runner inspired. Uh, there's, you know, when they're breaking um, Skull Crusher, if anyone's seen the movie, yeah, uh, yeah. that's Crawford's in prison. They break him out of prison, and you see this nice little, long white corridor. Strangely enough, if you've seen The Mandalorian, there's the prison break episode. It's almost the exact same corridor. And the Mandalorian ship is almost the exact same ship as the, the ship uh, in Rogue One. Uh, now, I'm not I'm not claiming that they ripped me off because <laughs> no, but seriously, I mean coincidences happen, you know. Man, sure, the Mandalorian sure. walks through the desert with this floating ball, so does Sienna, you know. It's 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 all Good, because we're all ripping off the same source in the end, which is, you know, Flash Gordon or something else. And, you know, this just says they need to bring you on as a director for a Disney Plus Star Wars streaming show. That would be nice. But here's the. Oh, yeah. When I'm now now. okay, this gets even weirder. When you look at the layout of the artwork, when you go into Disney Plus and you see the Mandalorian poster, you've got you've got the Mandalorian in the middle and you've got Cara Doom behind a man. IG-88 on the other side. IG whatever he is. IG-11. IG-11. And I look at it, it's like, that's the exact same posing layout as the Rogue Warrior pose. You put them side by side, it's unnaturally similar. And again, you know, it's like the time when the, the Han Solo movie poster was a rip off the French, some French artist, you know, which that big lawsuit that right. happened. It's, there's so many similarities, you know, and it, it's... Oh, what was it? Uh, Star Trek um, Into the Darkness? Is that the one with uh, yes. Cumberbatch? Cumberbatch. Oh, sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. He's my favorite, but that's what the fans call themselves. <laughs> um, sorry. Do, I didn't mean yeah. to say that that devilish word. Please forgive me. Hey, it's al- it's allowed on regular radio during the day, so it's okay. okay. Um, or at least I've heard it around here during the day. Um, but the way they did that movie poster with, I think it was Kirk standing, and it looks like Star Trek's logo, Starfleet yep. logo. And he's looking out with it all collapsed, you know, this demolished open hole. There were like three or four other movies that did the exact same thing. Yeah. So it's a vibe, you know, it, it happens. And sometimes it's just a straight coincidence. And I mean, I was the first guy to say, you know, my Rogue Warrior ship looks like the Mandalorian ship. And I put it up there one day and I put it, I think I put it on Twitter because I was just, I was just happy. My movie had been out for two years. I didn't care. Three years. And I put it out there in 2018 and said, on, on, hey, look, my ship looks like the Mandalorian ship. How cool. But we were first. Um, 
a couple of some of the main people from Lucasfilm blocked me, and and I thought really? and the only reason I knew that is I used to you know Pablo, Pablo Hidalgo whatever his name is I used to look at his stuff because I enjoyed his tweets. That's like you've been blocked. That's like why would they do this? It's like there's like well we didn't really we don't know who you are you're blocked you know it's like I, I wasn't even making a you know yeah. making a point I was just happy but yeah. everyone's just so afraid of lawsuits and everyone being ripped off and this and that and it's a very California's yeah, really litigious you know they probably took it the wrong way oh absolutely but no. you know they're up they're Chances only a few hours did. away you know we're in the same state but it's I'm, I'm not even claiming I'm anything as good as you know anyone who's working on Star Wars but it's it was just I was so happy I was so happy that something of mine you know called Rogue Warrior sounded like Rogue One had the same spaceship as a Mandalorian um had the same corridor in the in in the prison, uh, you know. Had a couple of shots that were the same. The the poster art was very similar. It just made me happy because you know we, we're all just stealing out the zeitgeist and making ideas. And it, it's 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 okay if they're gonna if they're gonna steal your ideas. And I don't even believe they did. It's a compliment, you know. It's an yeah. absolute compliment. Oh yeah, exactly. But, but you know, everyone's afraid of lawsuits, and it's like, man, just, just whatever. So it was just, and, you know, I'm not a political. I, I don't say anything bad on on social media. I'm not political. I don't, you know, just try to be nice to everybody. And it's like, well, they block you obviously because when you happen to mention the spaceship thing, it's like, mm. yeah, they they were thinking you were going to be coming after him. Yeah, and, and he's just trying to avoid any. He's trying to give himself plausible deniability. I was just putting it out there because I was afraid they'd come after me or somebody would at least attempt to, and then I have to defend myself in court. Say, no, this came out 2015, and uh, there was a, there's actually a guy in the in the UK, a really nice guy on Facebook, um, uh, who's actually built a physical model of the Rogue Warrior spaceship. It's called the Chastity Nine, and he's actually built a physical model of it. And he put photos up online. And everyone said, "Oh, he's just copied off the Mandalorian ship." And it's like, guys, come on. <laughs> so you know, whatever you do, you, you get you get you get uh, you get attacked and you get yeah. destroyed. So that's why you know I've been focusing right now. You like the segue? Uh, currently, I'm working on a, a TV series called The Time War, which is uh, yes. Adolf That's Hitler traveling. Talk about yeah. Adolf Hitler our, traveling our address is, history. Our addresses are. <laughs> <laughs> but that see that and that was that is like so different from the uh, the Rogue Warrior universe, and it's something I wrote in 1995, uh, uh, you know, way back, and I tried to get it made a few times, and I pitched it to some big studios. I had a lot of pitch meetings back then, and people said yeah it's a bit too big or it's too confusing or it's this or it's that you know and it's it's too big to do and i and it nearly happened in 2011 or you know but it didn't happen and so finally i just was talking to tracy birdsell and we, we we actually this is a good story we shot the movie version of it uh i think it was 2012 or 2013 remember and that, talking about it last time you were on, yeah. And then we then mm-hmm. then there's this character turned up in the middle of it. We made this, and it's like, you know, when you have this moment in life where it, I created this character from nothing, just out of costuming, and I, and we put her on camera. It was meant to be a little throwaway cameo character with Tracy Birdsell playing the, the role. And I looked at her and I thought her soul started speaking to me. It's like I know who this person is. I've never met her, but I know who she is. And her enti- and the pain and the tragedy and the entire entire life was laid out in an instant. The moment she was on camera, 
And I just started shooting a bit more of this character. There's, we, we call her Eye Patch. She's the main character in the Time War, Tracy Birdsell plays. We call her Eye Patch because at some point she gets an eye patch, but she's not always with an eye patch. <laughs> and <laughs> this story started unfolding without me even, you know, I it's like it was channeled into my brain. It, it didn't, I didn't sit down and say, I'm going to make this story. It started happening. It evolved by itself. And then fast forward to uh, 2020, we have six hours of content of this character and her adventures in time and space. And uh-huh. it's the daughter of Adolf Hitler. Uh, oh, sorry, Adolf Hitler. And uh, it's, I, I, I would say it's probably one of the most personal characters that I've ever done. And I'm not saying she's me, but I'm saying she came out of my psyche somehow, my soul. Um, Tracy, when she plays the character, sometimes needs a couple of days to get over it, you know, when she does a day of mm-hmm. shooting because it's so dark and so messed up and so real and so this and so that but i can't help writing for her because i i I say i relate to the character let's just say and uh, you know there's nothing about her that's similar to me because she's female number one um but it's just something about her soul that speaks to me and so we've got this eight-hour movie and i'm i'm in the midst of post-production so i put the road warrior tv series aside and I'm making the time war because it just needs to come out. And it's it's like a baby that's got to come out. It's 10 months. It's overdue by a month, <laughs> you know, and it needs to come out. It needs to be a thing. And it's, I'd say, it's six to eight hours of content. We're, we're, we're now hitting giraffe maternity. <laughs> yeah, it's a problem. <laughs> it's, a, it's a problem. So, you know, it, it's just one of those things that I, d- I don't even know if anyone's going to like it. Uh I I hope people do. I hope people resonate and understand the character, and I hope they they go on the journey, and I hope it becomes something. But it's not born out of a desire to make money. It's not born out of a desire to oh I've got to make a movie. What do I do this week? You know, I've been in those situations. It's born out of, out of the character spoke to me spoke to me across time, across space, across a different reality. She spoke to me directly, and I'm not a. I'm not a I'm not a super spiritual person at all, but this thing was just you know it's like it's like a voice from God, and you're you're speaking to an atheist, you know, who says this. <laughs> <laughs> so it's so deeply spiritual this character, and uh, you know it's it's chapter one's done. There's I think six chapters. Chapter one is pretty much locked down. Uh, the other chapters are on their way happening very quickly. So, you know, it's, it's, here's some technical things for you. Uh, it's shot on the red camera mostly. Um, it's shot in 5.2 K resolution. Oh, wow. Uh, you know, I mean, to give you an idea. Rogue one was done in six K. Uh, we were close to that, but 5.2 K the reason being, it just has to be, um, it's the, the best quality I can do. If I had my way, I'd be shooting eight K, but season two so, yes so, ba- so basically uh to to describe it uh to our listeners to our citizens um be re- like when we record the podcast we record in wave format which would be yes. almost like listening to um how you would when it went when your audio went to back in the day cassettes or or even <laughs> even cd um to some extent 
And, and you got to have that higher resolution. So when you render it down to MP3 or to a final project um, for, for film, you're getting the best quality for that render down because you, you do get a slight generation loss or with audio going from the wave to the MP3, there's so much compression. Yeah. Um, you, you get some audio loss in that compression during that time. That's why a lot of audio studios... Uh, overcompensate to make up for that compression. Exactly. I, and I'm, I'm a very much an overcompensator. Now, I'll give you a really good uh, example on this. Uh, yeah, I did the world's first digital film back in, I sorry, I say the world's, world's first, one of the world's first digital films, fully anamorphic, shot digital, cut on a computer, online, mastered, out to 35 millimeter in 1997. So, you know, okay. that was a thing. That was a long yeah. time ago. That, um, that was around the same time period as Fifth Element, which has yeah. been credited as the uh, first yeah. one to be fully well, they, digital. They shot on film. So I shot on a digital camera, I, anamorphic widescreen. Yeah, they were, they were a digital beta cam, but anamorphic. And it's... You know, it's a whole See, thing. Everything I, I, I read about Luke Benson on that was he shot everything digital and recorded all the audio on the digital Nagras. Yeah, I, I, I don't know what's that. And everything was all higher frame rate. Yeah, no, I don't think that's the case. Okay. Uh, I mean, maybe the higher frame rate. I mean, as far as I think where they shot film and threw it straight to digital. Okay. Um, so, you know, I, I was the first full digital pipeline and oh, it was edited on a computer, online on a computer. And I mean, it doesn't really, it's no big deal now. No, no, like, no. But it's still, that same, it's still that same time period, though. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, step ahead then, George Lucas is doing Star Wars Episode Two: Attack the Clones. Now, that basically is. Uh, for all intents, it's a 2K camera. It's basically an HD camera is what Attack of the Clones was shot on. Um, and then it's upscaled to 4K. So when you go, when you watch, if, you, if you're lucky enough to get your Star Wars uh, movies on, on 4K, Blu-ray, and you watch Attack of the Clones, it's going to look the worst of all of them because the original capture format was the lowest resolution of everything, you know. It's, I'm not saying it's going to look bad, but it's going to look the worst. And the best of all the Star Wars movies will be Rogue One yeah. because that was shot in the highest resolution. And you you put those yeah. you put Attack of the Clones and Rogue One together, it's going to be chalk and cheese on a giant TV. Have it, you it, have you heard the stories of when I showed uh, Zoe the original trilogy before we went and watched Force Awakens in the theater yes. with her? <laughs> I put the DVDs. In our Blu-ray player, mm-hmm. um, the original DVDs, because I had the, I've got very, it's one of my collectible things I go after is any Star Wars or Indiana Jones film or product that has the Lucasfilm title on the back. Like I have the documentary be, uh, beneath the dome talking about, you know, the mockumentary oh, yeah, the about R2-D2, R2-D2, the R2-D2 thing, which was yeah. great. You had the, yeah. Uh, they actually sold it on the Star Wars fan shop at one time. Yes. I remember that. Um, so I, I bought it. Um, so the one, so after the movies came out, the original trilogy came out. Well, thank you. Uh, my computer going virus and threat protection. Oh, uh, I have a Mac. I don't have that problem. Uh, yeah, just your Mac and crash. Your Mac and crash. Um, the uh, so. Do you have this? We're talking about Star Wars collectibles. That's the DVD. That's the first edition of the trilogy DVD, correct? But it's the PAL version. I do not have PAL version. I have the I have the, N, I have the NTSC version. I will send it to you for free. No way. Because it's been sitting under my computer <laughs> for ages. 
<laughs> I I have copies of the the first renditions of the special edition on Laserdisc that someone at work gave me because he was getting rid of oh. all his Laserdisc. I'm like, oh, weren't they magic? Ah, weren't they magical? It's like having an LP, wasn't it? Yeah. Better. I'm trying to find the original Laserdiscs that was like a big tape cartridge mm-hmm. that you slid in. I'm trying to find that of the original films of the original oh, trilogy. Luck. I know they're out there somewhere. I'll find them one day. Have you got the Super 8 version? I do not have the Super 8. I've got VHS. I used yeah. to have the 8-track of the... Oh, the soundtrack. Of the soundtrack and of the movie where they just took the audio track off the uh, off the film. And CBS... Oh, the story of Star Wars. This yes, is the, the story, story of Star Wars. Wars. Yes, I and had that, that. And that's the... It started... The whole 8-track starts off... This is the... I think it's Anthony Daniels going, this is the story of Star Wars. And then it goes right into the music, and then it's the actual movie. Yeah. Movie but audio cut, track. But cut down. Edit, it was actually edited a bit for... Uh, was it? See, yeah. See, it's I, been I so long it's, since I, I like listened to it. Have to I, I have the MP3 version of it, so that's fine. I do. Oh. Yeah. It goes for about an hour. And then they had the Empire Strikes Back version and the Return of the Jedi version I mean, as well. I mean, you get copies of those from me. Digital yeah, copies? Yeah, I have. I have. We're, we're going to have to do some digital copy swap yeah yeah you see this as we is, talk yeah, about exactly this. exactly um my yeah. other favorite thing if we're going to talk about that and star warsy stuff is the radio play adaptions of the dark empire yes i have that oh like, yeah i have yeah see, those are some of my favorite audio books are the dramatizations that's why i love um the dooku jedi uh jedi lost book yeah. by Kevin Scott and then that's why I can't wait for the Dr. Afro book to come out in July because it's, yeah, drama- oh, it's, it's proper dramatization it's proper dramas dramatization uh, yes. the Dooku book it's it's Dooku's story as told by Asajj Ventress as she's going through his logs and diaries oh interesting, interesting. it's who, so awesome who uh who did the audio I think it's a full cast, isn't it? It's a full cast. Yeah. Oh, is it? Dooku's full cast, just like Afra's going to be a full cast. Yeah. Um, See, I like that. I, I so that, It works well with the Doctor Who. The Doctor Who people, yeah. in fact, I know the guys in the UK, um, and they do such uh, a killer, killer job of, of all of that, where they just dramatize mm-hmm. new stories of Doctor yeah. Who, and it's such a delight yeah. to do that. You now, know? the cool thing with the with the uh, Dooku series is you had the full cast, but you still have the, the narrator doing the incidentals of as she moves across from one side of the ship or one side of the room to the other, you know, telling some of that segue action yeah. um, that you wouldn't see, you know, just like at the old radio shows. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, you had that narrator explaining what's happening in between lines. Um, you get that, and probably I wasn't a big Dooku fan mm-hmm. until this book. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, okay, now I understand the character a lot more, and I like it, because yeah. especially now that it's canon. And I'm not going to spoil the book since you haven't listened to it, because there is a... Um, a actual book version of it, but it's just the, it's a copy of the script. Right. Uh, which I would love to get that too, so I could sit down and listen to it and read it at the same time. Just like those little read-along books. As it's, it's, just, it's just like you the old... The page, oh, yeah. the bell, you know? <laughs> I have one of the Star Wars film strip audios with that. Yeah, me too. Um, I can't remember if that came on... See, Star Wars Hyperspace had a whole MP3 archive section, and I downloaded every one of those. Yes. And I think the film strips was on there. One of the film strips oh, wow. was on there. Um, 
We'll have to, we'll have to yeah, we'll do, talk. We'll do a special swap. We'll do a special swap. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, boy, that was a sidetrack. <laughs> hey, we, we tangent a lot on the show. Oh, um, okay. yeah, so, we do. <laughs> so after the, after the first release of the DVDs, um, they re-released, it was never a three pack. It was a single singles, the singles. And it was, came with the bonus disc and the bonus disc was the actual movie. Um, it was, it's the movie. It was, kind of the remastered video because it was what they used. It was from the laser discs. Yeah. Yeah. That the was original laser discs. That was a Walmart exclusive. They were not anamorphic. They're only four by three letterbox. And so resolution yeah. wasn't, wasn't good. There are people now. You, this is terrible. And I do not endorse people doing this, but my friend in the UK, Blake has told me there's people online who've actually got 35 mil prints of the films and scan them to 4k, uh, and they're out there somewhere in, in the ether, yeah. the original versions. It, probably a lot of scratches on it, but I feel that's probably a valid way to watch it. Um, I want to say the copies I've got are are the, the thir- based on the 35 mil. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, I did get them at Walmart, but it's the original audio track. It's still the 2.0 exactly. audio track, yeah. which is what I loved. And for her, uh, at the time, she was five. So that was 2015. Yeah, because she turned six later that year. Um, she was born in 2009. Um, we we watched them during the summer and during the fall to get ready for her to go see Force Awakens, her first film in the theater. Uh-huh. Um, and we, so no, she was six when she watched it because we joked, yep, she was the same age in the theater that I was in the theater because uh, I saw Star Wars when I was six and I turned seven later that summer. Um, and I said, you're going to watch this the way I watched it as a kid, the way it was presented to me in the theater. So we watched it, no special editions, the original cuts, everything. Han only shoots. There's no Jabba and Boba Fett in the first film. There's no McClunkies. There's no McClunkies. The the rebel fleet going after the, the Death Star is a little small ragtag fleet, not a huge armada. So it make it makes the battle even that more significant when they win. Um and more of that David Goliath story. Um and what was so cool with all of it is the first time we see the TIE Fighter on screen, um, as they're heading as they come out of hyperspace into the asteroid field, which we find out later is Alderaan. Alderaan. You see the TIE Fighter come across screen and you see the composite boxes. Yeah. And I'm like, oh my God, this is so cool. Oh, yeah. So for me, it was eye-opening watching it with her. And and this is the first time we've ever put it through. I ever put that copy in the Blu-ray player. Mm. Um, for me, re-watching the movies with her, she's watching it and experiencing them for the very first time ever. I'm re-enjoying them being the, the tech techie that I am you know, as an audio engineer and just loving all of behind the scenes and how things come together, which I would love to spend a day sitting in your sitting with you as you're editing and whatnot, because that. Oh, it's a trip. I thrive, yeah. I thrive on that. I love the behind the scenes stuff. Um, because yeah, I'm part of the, too. because I am behind the scenes. Mm. Um, but watching all that come across, I'm like, okay, this is so cool. You know, and I knew this is how they did it, but to now actually see it on screen. And I'm like, did y'all see that? My wife and daughter go, what are you talking about? Tie fire went across the screen. I said, I rewound. I'm like, look, yeah, at, look mat, at all the, the mat binds. Look at the, <laughs> look at the boxes. I kind of see it. I'm like, okay, I'm seeing it. I wasn't looking for it. And now I'm starting to nitpick. Okay. Where's this? Where's that? Where's this? And I'm looking for all that. It's like, okay, this is how it all pieced together. This was the art back then. And now with the copy being so um, upscaled so much, you see it more. 
Yeah. And I'm, and I, I'm like, okay, I, I haven't seen, seen the original Uncut in a long time. And I, I almost, I got very emotional because yeah. I was seeing Star Wars in a whole new light again. And it's funny. Yeah, I, I it was had awesome. Say, I had the same experience in the UK. My friend Blake in his studio there put it up. He had the original versions, Blu-ray version, but somehow they're bootlegs. And it was so delightful. There's something different about it. It has a mood, you know, when you watch them in that way. And it, it made me so happy, you know, just to see it in its original form. And I, I was, I'm, I'm a not a purist in that sense. I like the special editions, though they have aged pretty badly. Yeah, uh, true. But you know, it was actually nice to just step back and go, "Wow, it's so seventies. It's so yeah. dirty and grainy and and rough. Yet it's that's the charm of it. And that's what made it great. You know what I used to love about the old movies? I used to love the uh, not just Star Wars, but a lot of the older movies when they used to use matte paintings and stuff. Yep. Yes. In the film. Ugh, I used to well, love that. I've started watching. I, I have. I've been having sleeping problems lately for some reason. Uh, you know, just stress of work. So I start watching the old Star Trek episodes, uh, the original series. Yeah. Oh. Uh, now, um, Doug Drexler has gone in and redone the visual effects for the original series. And I'm, I'm watching it, and it's, they've already dated. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I, I'm sitting there watching this. It's so delightful to watch the old Star Trek and the old – and I'm just like, I want to see the old matte paintings now, you know? And I'm the guy who loves oh, the yeah. redone effect. But it's like, you know, they've got – they've like they've had the Enterprise go around the sun. It looks like a CG sun, and it's okay. It's good. It's beautiful. The Enterprise looks great. But I'm suddenly wanting to see the original versions because yeah. it's so campy. Mm. You, you want that. And – I never thought I'd, I'd be that guy because I'm the guy. I'm the guy who would always put out a special edition of his own movies, and I always praise George Lucas for doing <laughs> it. You know, I mean, I'm that guy. It's it's insane. You know, even Rogue Warrior was going to have a special edition version. You know, um, and and what I've what I've I, it's funny what it's done to my brain. You back to the time war a little bit. Is I've the time war has been shot in like 14 countries. You know, we shot in castles and. And, you know, I could just go overboard with the VFX and have all sorts of sparkly things because it's time travel. I've done everything practical. I've kept as much in camera as possible. It's it's the watching the old Star Wars stuff has pushed me to a point where, you know, I'm using old lenses, special lens camera lenses. Wherever I can, mm. I'm using the original stuff and trying to do it all practical, all real locations, all this, all that, as though it's not really as though it's shot in in the 40s or 50s but it's it's in the spirit of that you know and then i'm shooting in 5k resolution and but i'm doing it and adding film grain on top of it a very very small amount to give it that texture that feeling the vibe of 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 what we've lost you know and and this is the the lesson i have you know i made 15 or 16 films and i've done a lot of tv shows 500, 500 music videos so i've been around the traps a lot and my biggest lesson is, you know, standing using the VFX to prop up the story. And uh, I'm, I've gone so I, – I now assume that there's no green screen. There's no VFX. We have to do everything as real as possible. Sometimes you have green screen, of course. But I'm assuming that it's got to be real and be done in camera. And it's so liberating. I even built physical models for the time war. I have a, nice. you know, a, a Nazi flying saucer and a flying giant submarine. It's a physical model. <laughs> And a tank, oh, tanks awesome. on fire. If I want to, if I want Hitler on, or somebody on a cross on fire, I have to go out to the desert. I have to build that cross. I have to set it on fire and use real fire, not CG fire. It's got to be real. And these are my, 
this is my mantra, you know, this is what I've started doing. And that's why the time will takes a little bit longer is because when you see somebody on fire on a cross, um, there's, there's a real fake body, of course, on the cross on fire. You know, it's not, it's, it's, it's all real well, where possible. Let, let, me, let me ask you this question then, uh, saying that because I, I'm completely in awe of what they're doing with the Mandalorian. What is your take yes. on the, um, on the volume, what they call the volume? Um, okay, so, so for those who don't know, it's a gigantic television, a circular television screen in a studio, and they project this scene onto it. I um I was we we I've been discussing with friends of mine actually about that system for a long time. In fact, I know somebody else who built a very similar system, mostly because he got sick of doing green screen in car driving shots and wanted the reflections proper. So that's a, that's where he built one, and we were talking about this for years. Uh, and I have another trick I do, which is in, uh, on this point, I'll give you an example of what we did in the time war before the volume was created. And I think we shot this in 2013. We had a scene where we needed the character in a cave, uh, you know, eating a spider or something. <laughs> anyway, she's in a cave. We physically couldn't get her into the cave because it was too dangerous because it was a, talc, talc, it was a talcum powder cave. And oh, it was a danger okay. of the roof collapsing and it was flooded out. But I had a photograph. So what I did, I actually, the old school, I printed up, a, I, I took the photograph of the cave. We have real footage in the cave, but you needed an extra scene. Print up the photograph uh, and I rebuilt the foreground of the cave. So basically we rebuilt the cave outside in Malibu and with a giant printed backdrop, just like, you know, kind of like a television, but it was a static thing. And it was, a, you know, it's a 16 by 10 feet backdrop. And it looked like you're really there. You couldn't tell it wasn't there. So it was a similar concept. So rather than do green screen, which everyone would do, we said, let's match the lighting of the cave. Let's physically build the cave again and put a, a, a back, you know, just a printed back wall. And it looks so good. That's the old style of doing things. So I think what they're doing in The Mandalorian is in that same spirit. It's, it's a technical nightmare to do just think about the, the, the you know what that thing cost yeah it's <laughs> 10 million bucks oh, an yeah episode. yeah and i was looking at it, I said, where's the 10 million dollars per episode gone they just went to the desert and shot and then i realized oh no they didn't and then someday when i realized it's not a desert it's a studio <laughs> yeah and i was like oh i see now where the money went um i think it's genius <laughs> and clever but i i i, I think it's such a technical system it's it's flawed at the moment in the sense that you need a, an, an army of people to run that. And mm. I think sometimes, you know, uh, so, you know, back to doing Rogue Warrior, for example, uh, we actually went out to a real desert and we shot in uh, well, one day it was 134 degrees. Mm. That's real. And that's the one thing you won't get with the Mandalorian, even though they have wind machines, you know, it's the, the reality of the sweat. <laughs> and the truth of a real location so i think it's amazing but i i i'm i've gone the other direction i'm i'm you know we had a scene on uh, in the time war where i wanted her on on the, on the top of an one of the austrian alps in summertime you know on the top of a mountain so you could green screen it like a lot of people do or you could go there and we went all the way there and we got up to the top of the mountain we shot the scene and you can't it's real and you cannot fake that so I, I would say some of my shots are probably really, really, really epic because we went to the effort of actually going to the real locations. And that's been my mantra is 
stepping away from technology so much that if we want to do it, we do it for real. If you, uh, you know, if you want to, if we want to have a scene in a giant lava field, we go to the lava. And, uh, you know, that's been the rule on the time war. And that being said, you know, I just love that. I just love how, how good the Mandalorian looks because it fooled me. <laughs> yeah. It really <laughs> fooled me. And I was like, but man. I think there's something to be said for going, still going to real, real locations and stuff. It, it, it definitely adds something to the, to, to the film. Yeah. It, it's the unknown element. Um, and that's, as that's why, why I can praise just, the time, time more. It's, it's the truth and the things you don't expect. Um, right. That, you know, you turn up to a location and all of a sudden this great sunset happens or we went to give you another oh, example. Yeah. So we went to Scotland uh, to reshoot because, you know, during the Malibu fires, we lost some footage. Um, so we went to Scotland to reshoot and we ended up shooting on the, on one of the, uh, in, in the Scottish Highlands in the summertime mm-hmm. and it was beautiful and green and magical and looked great. The sun was perfect. The light was great. But there was swarms of, they call them midges, these little mosquitoes. Yeah. Uh, gigantic swarms of these bugs everywhere. And, and as Tracy's doing the scene, these things are swarming around her and stuff. You can't do that in a studio. You can't have a swarm of bugs really right. there biting her. And she's got all these welts all over her. And you can see it on camera. It's there. You can't fake that. <laughs> you cannot, you cannot, whatever you do, you cannot go into a studio and onto a you know into a stage and fake swarms of bugs like that biting the the, the actress yeah. while she's covered standing in the mud and while there's a gigantic mountain you know going behind her and the wind is blowing and and you know everything so that's that's why i like you know, you know one thing you can definitely say about tracy is that she has definitely suffered for her art yeah, and I've been the cause of that suffering. So <laughs> I don't know if she always likes me, you know, in that sense, but I, I, I challenge her. I, I just keep saying to her, look, you know, in 20, 10, 20 years' time, this is going to be legendary stuff. You're going to look back at this and say, wow, we've created a masterpiece. You know, this is a piece of art. I hope will resonate. Sorry, I didn't mean to hit the microphone. I hope this will resonate forever um, because, you know, of old lenses, you know, real locations, right. the highest resolution camera possible. Yes, it's still digital, uh, but trying to be as honest and real as possible. And I think that's the glory of it. That's why we can watch movies made in the 60s and 70s or 80s, and they're still good to us because, you know, you look at The Empire Strikes Back. How right. real is that? The Millennium Falcon is really there in the Hoth base. It's physically mm-hmm. in the in the base. It's when they're in the snow, they're in the snow, you know, when they're on Dagobah, of course, it's a gigantic stage, but there was real mud and, and water and smells and snakes. And, you know, it was horrible shooting conditions, but it's real. And that's, that's the spirit of what I'm trying to do, you know? So, you know, (laughs) that's why it took so long. That's why I've been, uh, I've been, I think I've watched it like three times in the last month and a half was the dirty dozen. Mm-hmm. As this popped up, I'm like, oh, yeah. Um, now going back to like Doctor Who and whatnot, I've been watching. For me, my doctors are uh, Tom Baker and Peter Davison. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Because that's what I grew up with with my dad in in the '80s. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Of course, I watched all the early stuff, but I, I wasn't a big Colin fan. Um, no. Uh, yeah. 
Well, he, he, he was, was okay, like a, but... he was like a copy of. Uh, it's a bit like Tom Baker, wasn't he? Yeah, he was trying to be Tom Sorry. Baker, but but colorful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. I mean, I, I've met the man. He's a great person, and, and I like this person. I like this personality. I just, I, I think even the writers didn't know what to do with him as the Doctor either after being with Tom for so long. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, they, you can see they ran out of ideas because he was a composite of the last yeah, Doctors, yeah. but younger and better looking. But then um, I was watching Pluto TV, which is a an app that I absolutely love, and they have a Doctor Who channel. Oh. And they, I went to it, and it was uh, one of the early black and whites. And I'm like, mm-hmm. wait, I know that costume. And it was the, the episode where uh, I, f- I don't remember the details of the episode, but the one character that I recognized the costume was wearing the suit that was worn by Bosk in Empire Strikes Back. Wow. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. oh man, that's that's cool. So I'm like, and I knew they took it from from Doctor Who. They they reused that costume from Doctor Who. I'm like, wow. but I, I had never seen it when my or never knew if I saw it back at watching it with my dad, and never caught my attention until like years later when I knew it was from Doctor Who. And I'm like, oh, it's a, that's the costume. Okay, yeah, Boba Fett's mm-hmm. in Doctor Who as well. The guy who played uh, Boba Fett. Jeremy Bullock. Yep. Yeah, he was yeah. in a couple of episodes yep. of that. He had a uh, he had a short lived series, uh, Star Sum. I think it was Star Sum. Never heard of it. Yeah. Uh, he played the Doctor. Oh, interesting. Technically, Peter King was in Doctor Who as well. Yes. Yeah, he was in the in the movies. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's a pity they don't incorporate that into the Doctor Who canon because that was a mm. very odd Doctor. I, I just didn't like the TARDIS in that in those yeah. Doctor Who movies. It's basically yeah. a room with whites. Yeah. <laughs> Show's called yeah. Star Hike. Star Hike. Okay, I have heard of it. Star Hike. Huh. Star Hike. Yep. Uh, it came out originally in 2004, and then in 2009 he did an. It only ran six episodes. And then oh. he did. Then it came back in 2009 for another six. I actually ran into him. I got a strange Boba Fett co- connection. Uh, so Daniel Logan, who plays uh, Boba Fett, young Boba Fett, yep. uh, mm-hmm. he's actually in the Time War. Uh, We're trying to get him. Oh, on, no I'm trying to get him on Wookiee Radio. Oh, you should. Yeah, he's a lovely guy. Um, I'll just. Uh, I, well, I'll try to. I'll try to find a way to. I. He, I. I can, I can barely get onto him. Just so you know. <laughs> but but Christopher Lee also, who he I kind of he shared a movie with. Yeah is also in the time war has a voice in the time war as well. Um, mm. This is Christopher Lee's last movie credit. And so it's interesting. There's, there's a movie with, with uh, you know, Christopher Lee and Daniel Logan in it, um, which is, you know, kind of cool. Uh, I was actually going to speak to Jeremy Bullock about being in the time war as well, but he, he started retiring. So I just felt yeah. it was polite not to ask. I, I ran into yeah. him on a train uh, just out of, out of, I was in the train in London and it's like Jeremy Bullock got on it. Just, I didn't want to bug him, but I just waved and smiled. He sort of, I met him a few times and, my, you know, he was really sweet, but it's just funny. I have all these Boba Fett connections. So, you know, he, he was one of the first interviews we did on this show with my original co-host, um, which I'm slowly getting them up on Patreon, where you can listen for as little as a dollar a month. You'll be able a to dollar listen a month, a dollar a month to, to access our archives. That's not bad. So, yeah. And you guys have T-shirts, too, don't you? And have T-shirts, have uh, has uh, hockey jerseys, hockey baseball jerseys. jerseys, baseball jerseys. Yeah, I know. Eyeing them off. Huh? See, this is see, this is how I'm proving I'm a listener. I'm a listener. See, yeah. I knew you had hockey jerseys. Then, and then you know too. 
you could get yourself by using the code WeBeGeeks, you get 15% off your very own Biddy Boomer. Yeah, that's pretty uh, cool. Yeah. And for, for the people who are listening on the audio, what, what is a Biddy Boomer? Biddy Boomer is a Bluetooth speaker that you can listen to this very show on. In the shape of a walkie. That one was Chewbacca. They have Wookiees. They have a bunch of Darth of uh, they have Darth Vader. A bunch of uh, Star Wars characters, oh, Marvel Iron Man, characters. Iron Man right there. Wow. Uh, they even Turtles. have sports, some sports mascots and such. Do they have a white a white Boba Fett? No, not yet. Mandalorian's not yet. Mandalorian's coming. Okay, well that'll that'll do. That'll work. And, and I believe uh, I believe Casey was saying the child be, just came out. Yeah, but he said because of being able to do um, the Mandalorian, it made it easy. It's going to be basically the same mold, just a slight adjustment to the bottom of the helmet, obviously, to do yeah. uh, to do Boba Fett. Of course. Hey, I've got. Uh, you want to hear my theory of the new, the next Star Wars I, movie? I, I was about to get there. Say, hey, oh, we yeah. talked before show yeah, about right. about a theory. So it's a theory, okay? Now you you know if you sort of see you know, Lucasfilms going one direction, they're doing certain things. But there seems to be two teams of people, from what I can tell. And I don't know. I really don't know. But uh, uh, Taika Waititi, right? It's mm-hmm. just been announced he's doing a Star Wars movie. Yep. Now, mm-hmm. I watched what we do, what we did in the shadows. Uh, great show. You know, the great show, which is a vampire reality show that he directs. And they, and they got Mark Hamill on there as a vampire. Yeah, yeah. And they even did an in-joke oh. with, a, with a lightsaber for about five seconds. Yeah. Is, but think about it. So you've got this guy who's an Oscar nominee or winner. I don't know Taika Waititi what he's got, but he's pretty. He's he's the it guy right now for movies. He wants to do a Star Wars movie, and then he goes and puts Mark Hamill in the TV series he's doing. What would be if you were him? And he's obviously a you know a Luke Skywalker fan, as is Kevin Feige. Um, you know, he kind of get the feeling about that. What does the world need right now? I would say they need a one-off Luke Skywalker movie before Force Awakens. And the guy to do that would be Taika Waititi because it would be cool because we need that and we want that. Mm-hmm. And it would make up for all the, the you know, people, people, the complaints some people have about, you know, the movies. But wouldn't that be the coolest thing to have the, advent- the adventures of Luke Skywalker? Perhaps he could go to the dark side um, or something else. Uh, explaining why he became so, you know, isolated on the island. Wouldn't that be a great film? Wouldn't that just make you want to go to the movies? Uh, I I like your thought. I like your thought. But let's go a little further and go Mm -hmm. pre-Ben Solo. Ben Solo's not around yet. Yeah. Still bring back Mark Hamill. And it's a one-off Star Wars Jedi Academy movie. Or The Fall of Coruscant. Yeah, either either mm-hmm. or, but yeah. it's him bring bring you know starting the new Jedi Order. Exactly. Some, but it's got to yeah, be some right. big event in Luke's because if it's got to be a character story. See, Mark Hamill is a, is all into character. Yeah, he's so into character journeys, and he even said, oh, "I don't know if I want to do Luke Skywalker again. How would you get him back?" Mark Hamill himself, who does live up the road for me, by the way. Um, no, I've never seen oh. him. I know. Um, <laughs> he has kept saying he wanted to go to the dark side. If I did that one of those movies, I would have been so dark side, Luke, it's not funny, you know? See, I, and I think right around that time period of the uh, creating the new Jedi Order. Yeah. And, and who's to say it doesn't, it, it doesn't have to take place immediately after the events of 
Return of the Jedi or the time right. period we're in now. I mean, it could still be 10, 20 years before Force Awakens because we have yeah. a 30, 35 year gap there. Yeah, midpoint, a little, bit of, plenty, little yeah, bit of de-aging. But a little pre, bit of de-aging. But pre-Ben Solo, mm-hmm. and, and it could be one of those where one of the underlining subplots is he's trying to convince, and, and this could all be done through audio transmission, mm-hmm. um, that he's trying to convince Han and Leia to let Ben come to the Academy. Yeah. But we could start seeing some of the signs of him with whatever dementia or whatever he has mm. and going that way and still going that way towards the dark side. You know, that I, I, the dark I, side. I think it's got to be dark side Luke. You know, I, I think there's got to be something there because you want, you want to, you want something new, something exciting. And, who knows what? But I, I, I just I would love to see that movie. You know, that's the thing I would be pitching if I was, you know, anyone powerful in Hollywood, which I'm not. Uh, that would be the movie I would like to see, or the Jar Jar Binks Dark Side movie. That would be cool too. No, I still, He's a Dark Lord of the Sith. You do know this. I, I, I still don't buy that theory. Of course. And, and I know supposedly <laughs> Ahmed Best has said he came out and said that he was supposed to be a Dark Lord. I'm like, I, I still don't buy it. Oh, yeah. I, I still don't. I don't. I don't it would have been really glorious either, to have him but, with, a, with a red lightsaber and looking dark and evil. With I know. Like, <laughs> I bet they're going to do a, a Disney Plus series now where they're going to have Luke training Jedi, young Jedi, and it's going to be like Star Wars's version of Harry Potter. <laughs> but yeah. you know, to do that, they, they could go animated with it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think absolutely. that would be yeah, that would be actually they could, yeah. And that'd be yeah. one way of bringing Lucas back or not Lucas Hamill back out of um voice acting retirement. I know I know he supposedly has come out of retirement to do the voice of Skeletor. Oh yes. Yeah. Um but I would love to see him revise the voice of Luke in in the animated series. It would be wonderful. You know, yeah, somebody's got to do something. Yeah. They've got to stop. They've got to, they've got to start thinking, you know, they've got to pull a, pull a rabbit out of the hat now, I think. And I think they will, you know, I think that they're, they're not, they've got so many good chances. You know, you, you got Kevin Feige, you got Taika Waititi. I mean, and you got John Favreau and you got Dave Filoni and they're, they're four people mm. who potentially could put, put out some really good stuff. So you, you claim to be a listener of the show and, you, and you've proven that. Um, what do you think of our theory of leaving Kathleen Kennedy head of Lucasfilm, but in charge, but her main responsibility is finance, the financials and making instead of like Marvel with Kevin Feige, the single person in charge of creative, you, you keep the star Wars theming of you have master and apprentice mm-hmm. <laughs> and you have Filoni and Favreau and, and their roles of master and apprentice swap back and forth depending on whether it's live action or animated i you know i think i think i i you know i heard a lot of negative things said, said about kathleen kennedy which i i i found actually quite offensive and i'll tell you why because i've been on the other side of those situations and nine times out of ten you know everything that's claimed is not true when i watched the rise of skywalker making of 
I saw Kat, and also the uh, the Mandalorian round tables. Mostly the races. I was watching her and her body language and her man. She's doing a good job. And I'm going to say, I there. It's a massive organization. I'm not saying everyone there is doing a good job because obviously somebody's letting the letting the you know letting the team down. But I think she's personally she's got a lot on her shoulders and she's doing a lot. And I think she's maybe got too much on her shoulders. Everyone blames her for everything. But when there's a, when there's a success, do they thank her? You know, not so much. Mm. I I I I think right. you know. I I get what you're saying. I I think. They're missing a visionary at the top, and I, you know, she definitely is is in there, and she's definitely doing her absolute best. But you think about this: think about how hard it's been for her. Yeah, she hired these these two guys to do the Han Solo movie, as an example, and they they wasted money and time and just went went a yeah. little bit silly. And you know, whoever story that it, it the story is. She was bold and got rid of them because they were wasting company money and company yeah. time and maybe weren't going to make a good movie. And the yeah. same with the guy from the Fantastic Four. Oh, thing, you know? try it. Yeah, but but I, I heard an interview with him and it's like he kind of admitted he, 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 he kind of wasn't in a good place. I don't think he was fired. He pushed himself out the door because he was in a bad, bad place, and he admitted this himself. Yeah. So, you know, I don't think it's it's as you know Kathleen Kennedy's this crazy woman doing blah blah blah. I I think it's it's a different story. The reality is different. So that being said, I think uh, she's given a lot of uh, a lot of uh, rope. Not rope. Uh, what's the word? Uh, she's given a very long leash to the guys doing Mandalorian. But think about season two. We probably got a Ahsoka. We've probably got. It sounds like we got Boba Fett there, um, and you know all the great characters that we want to see will be in season two of the Mandalorian. Right. You know if the if the rumors are true, so she's really allowing this to happen. I I, I think she's probably doing the right thing, and I think they've got to set up the right team of people. You know, getting rid of the guys from the Game of Thrones that was a calculated move, um, and it's probably the right decision to make. You know, and I think she's desperately trying to do her absolute best to See, do the right I, things. I was always under the impression when all that broke, she didn't get rid of them. They left on their own because of the exclu because of an exclusivity with Netflix. Yeah, but and it that, did coincide with the fact that nobody liked the the season premiere, the final, you know, of Game of Thrones. Yeah, yeah, and who knows. We, but, we will never know. Yeah. Now, for, for me, um, I mean, I think she's done a great job, and but she's she's had that super challenge of she's she's the, the figurehead at the head of all of this for this last trilogy, and it it wouldn't have mattered if George was still here and not directing, but was still the the masthead of Lucasfilm. I don't think the because of the announcement of getting rid of the EU, which Lucas has said many times, and we we've pitched it and, and preached it so much here that even Lucas said it the original EU was never officially canon. Just yeah. a few bits right. and pieces that Thrawn he would have considered canon. Yeah. Um I think uh Splinters in the Mind Eye he he had considered canon. Um because he he referenced made some references on stuff. Um, Chows in the Empire, I believe, was another one that I believe he he had considered more canon because he allowed for those. Yeah, he yeah. allowed for that stuff to be turned into merchandise. Yeah, if yeah. he didn't want it to be merchandise, right. it wouldn't have been. They wouldn't have, and he wouldn't have embraced it like he did. Yeah. Um, 
But when at the beginning of the Disney era, which is the best way to put it, it's not Disney or oh, the Disney Disney Star Wars. No, it's the Disney era. Um, right. And I started hearing a few other shows mention it, too. So maybe they listened to us and, and called it because mm-hmm. um, I know that any of the shows I've listened to, I've never heard the term Disney era. Um, I'm not saying we created it on Wookiee Radio. Um, probably not. But it's it's the proper term. The Disney era, the um it, it wouldn't have mattered because the fans weren't happy because Lucasfilm came out and said everything that was EU prior to the Disney era is not canon. Mm. Of, the official, official lockdown announcement is we're not, it's not canon. We are creating new canons book wise, starting with this book. Yeah. The only thing that's considered canon from the previous books is four issues of the Dark Horse comic, Sons of Dathomir, yes. which was meant to be... The Clone Wars. The cl- in the Clone Wars. Yeah. That's it. Mm-hmm. So um, because of all that, that just opened up a whole bunch of backlash because mm-hmm. you got fans going, oh, so everything we've been reading doesn't mean crap anymore. No. It's still there. It's still tales. Yeah. Yeah, it's part, it, it's part of the Star Wars mythology. Exactly. Uh, you know, and it, it's 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 like I'm a big fan of Dark Empire. That was my favorite thing. Not everyone liked that, mm. but I'm not upset that it's it wasn't made into a movie. If I want to listen to it, I go listen to the radio play, and I go down yeah. the Dark Empire path, and and Dark Side Luke, and and all that, and you know, Clone Emperors. <laughs> but um, you know, it's it, it's okay. You know, we, we still got them. You I still lo- buy them. I love the Republic Commando series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. those those are great books. I love the Millennium Falcon book. Telling the yeah, where you know Solo's kid finds. I think it was. Finds some of the original logbooks hidden on the Falcon, going back to when the ship was not named the Falcon. Exactly. And these are good stories to have. Yeah. You know, I look, I, I think when you look at the whole picture, as I said, I've been inside these organizations. Um, the one guy who took the blame, Kathleen Kennedy didn't take blame for anything, and I think she needed to. But the guy who was running Disney took the blame for the Han Solo situation uh, specifically, you know, and also he was pushing a lot of things through. Um, He's since resigned. Uh, Sorry, the head of – what was his name? Bob Iger. Yeah, Bob Iger. I'm sorry. Yep. He admitted it was all him. It was all his mistake. There was a few mistakes and he admitted and maybe the Clone Wars cancellation was him as well because hasn't that come back with a wonderful vengeance, you know? That was a mistake, but it sounds like it was probably Bob. And he admitted he treated George Lucas badly. Yep. You know, so I th- I think there's probably some. You know, I think that that's where the blame. You know should be squared and I, I think as the company grows and develop it's too much for just even for kathleen kennedy to be the george lucas um and i think you need two or three or four mini george lucases you know, like you guys said you know the master and the apprentice you need these guys and and right. it's already started working yeah. with the um you know the, the john favreau thing and it's probably going to work well with the the rogue one tv series i don't call it the cassian andor series because that didn't excite me when they call it the rogue one tv series I want to see that. (laughs) Well, I think that's why, you know, leave Kathleen head of Lucasfilm. She's the one that's the representative of the, on the board. Mm -hmm. She's the one that goes to those executive meetings to the, to the board meetings, et cetera. Yeah. It's just, and I know Kevin is everything (laughs) for Marvel studios, but I think for, for Lucasfilm creatively, 
there needs to be someone different than Kathleen. Because as far as I can remember, and you can could, you could tell me if I'm wrong, most of the stuff that Kathleen's been involved with, Indiana Jones, Jurassic Park, everything with Spielberg, she was more the money person anyway. I mean, yes, yeah, she does have directing credits, mm-hmm. but when she was in as part of the... Um, the team with her and Frank and, and Steven, she seemed more the money person out of that team instead of the creative. I don't know. You know I, I, hear, I hear what you're saying. I, it's when I saw her in action in on the Rise of Skywalker on the set, I think she has a bit more, you know, I think she, she I mean, a good producer. And if I ever find a you know, good producer, they're very rare. A good producer will help to steer the director a little bit. You know, they do have a lot to say, but a good producer also knows when right. to shut up, when to be silent. Now, look at the back on the Rogue One thing. And let's use that as a really good example. It's probably what's going to be just, as, you know, that they, they pitch it as a, as a Star Wars war movie, you know, Band of Brothers in space. Did we, yep. did we really want that in the end? Probably not. What did we want? We wanted that what we got and the kick-ass Darth Vader sequence at the end. Now that came about, I guarantee a producer looking at the movie saying, no, we need a bit more star Wars here. We need a bit, we need a bit of Darth Vader at the end. We need some, some really high end kick-ass stuff. Let's give it to them. And okay, I need another $50 million. This is a money issue. You know, I can 50 million bucks, you know, go and shoot that, rewrite this, fix that, do that. And what do we get? We got rogue one. And it worked. It yeah. actually worked. And I think that's because of Kathleen Kennedy. And I think had the Han Solo movie uh, would have been, could have been a whole lot worse, a whole lot worse. And she pulled the pin on that. Mm. And the yeah. turn out, and, and I'm watching that movie from a filmmaker's perspective. My God, they, they, that's a, I look, I call that a low budget Star Wars movie of all the films. That is the <laughs> lowest budget looking Star Wars movie I've ever seen. Because mm-hmm. because they had to fire the directors and reshoot, yeah. and it's you know it's amazing it turned out as well as it did. I I say yeah, I actually for, liked it. I, I say for Iger, um, that is for Bob Iger. Solo is his John Carter. Yeah, yeah. John Carter was a brilliant looking film, mm-hmm. but it kind of got the same treatment as or Solo got the same treatment as, as John Carter. They yeah. didn't promote it. They didn't push it. And they rushed it. And they, they rushed, rushed it. it. And, and in all honesty, uh, I, I keep saying it should have been a Labor Day weekend release. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it would have done better then instead of trying to throw it in the middle of a Memorial weekend in the middle of probably one, some of the biggest blockbusters of that year. That was, that was, and even he said it was a mistake. They should have just taken Han Solo and say, okay, let's sit on this. Let's let the movie breathe. Let's recut it, recalibrate right. it a little bit. Oh no, that looks crap. That, that Wookiee fur looked terrible on those extra Wookiees and it needs a bit more of this. Um, let's work this a bit more. And if it was me, if it was me, I'm just going to tell you what I would have done if I was one of the creatives involved in that. I would have said, look, this is an okay movie, but it's not, it needs something else. It needs an extra element. We've got the, you know, why can't we have Darth Vader in there somewhere? Why can't we have Darth Vader have a run in with Han Solo and, you know, Han Solo gets away because when they meet together in The Empire Strikes Back, doesn't it seem like Han Solo and Darth Vader sort of know each other? 
a little bit, you know. Briefly, yeah. One of the, th- one of the things – right to have a story, a backstory or something, you know. I mean I think yeah. the only thing I, I was upset we did not get in Solo is any and, – and, and I ended up liking it the comic mini mm-hmm. was we didn't get any time of him at the Academy. Exactly. Yeah. Training. Which, if you're making this part of the Canon, making the Academy now officially Canon, because that was part of his supposed backstory back in the EU stuff. Um, but we get the, but we get the uh, castle run and we get how he gets the Falcon. And, and I love seeing all that of how it actually went down. Um, but have him at the training academy. Have him at the Darth academy. Vader, and Darth Vader's there or something else happens. And he steals a ship from under Darth Vader's nose and gets away or something. Yeah, yeah. So show, him, show, him fly, show him fly the, the TIE fighter. Show him crashing it and learning to be a pilot and, you know, doing all those things. Um, and all that could have been done in 15, 20 minutes. Yeah, yeah. As a brief, hey, here's what we did at the academy. Now, don't get me wrong. I love the books. I love the Imperial Cadet um, yeah. comics, and that's good. And it it brings in um, oh, who's the one bounty hunter that's pretty much uh, Vance? Yes, it shows that, that Valance. Valance, yeah. yeah, it shows Valance was part of his his squad at the academy with Solo, yeah, and that right. it was Valance's ship. Sorry if I'm spoiling, but books have been out for over a year now, folks. So. <laughs> Forget the spoiler alert. Um, Valance's fighter goes down in this one thing that they do. And Solo, and this is what gets Solo demoted to a mud trooper, is he goes against direct orders and tries to rescue Valance. Mm -hmm. Even though he shouldn't have because Valance treated them like dirt. Yeah. Right. He still made the effort. Yeah. And that and and that's a great that's a great character moment. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's a great character moment. But I would love to have seen Valance as part of the solo movie briefly. I, I think just to have yeah. something that builds up into the to go. Okay, here's here's what happened. You know, here here's the start of things. Now jump ahead to well, you defied orders. Here's why you're being booted down. And go whoa 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 whoa. Where's that story? Oh wait, it's in Marvel Comics. Mm, yeah, I, that what I think that would have probably helped the the comics a bit more too. But the comics did it, it, they did that series did great on its own anyway. Yeah. Oh, I, I but see. I think what you're really saying is there should have been a, there should be a Han Solo TV series. I I would like to see the Academy years and bring yeah. and yeah. bring Alden yeah. and bring Alden back for it. Yeah, he's not doing much. I mean, I, yeah. yeah, Sean Penn's doing TV t- television. Why can't Alden Ehrenreich do some TV? I, <laughs> I actually, yeah. I actually enjoyed Alden as as Solo. Yeah, not yeah, only did, did, did too. Not only he did, did he hit the the normal solo quirks, but he it's like he studied Harrison so deep that he even caught some of the the minor Harrison quirks that you see Harrison do in other movies. Yeah, As yeah, well. he didn't. He he could have messed it up real bad, and he didn't. He didn't. You know, yeah. when you look at it, it's it's you know, it's it's good. It's good. I mean, yeah, there was a lookalike out there that did an amazing job too. But Alden hit, like I said, he hit all those Harrison quirks. Yeah, 
in ticks that other people don't catch. Exactly. Exactly. And, and that's yeah. what made well, it. He actually, that, he that's actually what made it learned from Harrison Ford. So yeah, they hung out and had lunch. Yep. Apparently. Yeah. Seen the photos. Learned <laughs> learned how to do specific things. Yeah. Proper, not just watch, but actually was taught. This is how yeah. you would undo a holster or or slowly right. draw your yeah. pistol. Yeah. Exactly. So well, my favorite bit of the Han Solo movie is they were on the splinter. Splinter of the Mind's Eye planet. Yeah. You know, that high yeah. planet. And, yeah. was, and me as a kid went, oh, wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> that yeah. made me happy. That was a nice nod. Well, and, and Lucasfilm has yeah. come out and said, uh, Pablo Pildago himself has said, which I know you can't see now. <laughs> yes, <please. laughs> Um <laughs> That, uh, you know, they are trying to bring some elements of the EU into canon. Yeah. I mean, Thrawn's back. Yeah. Thrawn's canon. Uh, the whole, a lot of the backstory stuff with Solo is mm-hmm. is canon. Um, you know, there there has been, uh, in many ways, the, the clone emperors has been brought back canon in Rise yeah. of Skywalker. Yeah, yeah. So, um, I mean, it, it's coming. It's going to be, it's going to be slow. Yeah. And it's okay. You know, yeah. it's, it's okay. And we, you know, I, I just really think Mandalorian season two will be a thing. You know, I, I really believe it's going to be something special. And I, they, they did it well with the yeah. baby Yoda thing. And that's yeah. just the tip of the iceberg. You think about how big that's been. And now it's like if Kathleen Kennedy said, okay, we're going to give you a little bit of a, bit of you know a bit of a leash here and just go off and do the mandalorian oh wow that became such a big thing here's some more leash just go with it here's some more money (laughs) well i'm i'm excited for the new high republic stuff that's gonna be coming out as well yeah yeah it's delayed yeah even though it got pushed back yeah 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 i i i i'm yet to be convinced in the sense that i want to know the story what's the hook i just see a bunch of people looking looking heroic you know i want to know what's what's the darkness what's the what's the what's the edge we're going to have and, and i and i i'm loving the suspense of all they said is the only thing that's been said is what scares the jedi ah see there you go you've just hooked me at, at i didn't this, see that at this point in time ah. um i don't think there's talk of the sith because mm-hmm. this is way after the sith nope. wars so it's like what what do the jedi fear i think was the was that the line they used? Yeah. What do the Jedi's fear? Yep. And that's what I'm looking forward to. Because we're now going to be in a point where Jedi's going to be walking around pretty cocky, like like the marshals in the Old West. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And what is it they're going to fear? Because at this point in time, they could take anyone down easily. Interesting. I see. Now you hooked me. You see? So this, this is why I'm excited for it. You've made me want to see it now. <laughs> I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited to yeah. read the books. Yeah. And and for sure, these are books I will try and go out of my way to pick up. Because mm-hmm. it, it's a whole new yeah. whole new series that I could really try and delve into. And yeah. and I hope they make some movies or, or an animated series or a live action series. Yeah. Based off, maybe not involve these actual characters, but have other characters that interact with the characters from the books. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Still keeping that high Republic era. Yeah. And I, I, I think and I want very little Yoda. I want very little yes, Yoda yeah. in this series. Yeah. Yeah, that's true, but uh, he's probably going to turn up. I don't mind him being on the council mm-hmm. and being involved in council discussions, but I don't I don't want full Yoda stories. Yeah. Right. I want minor minor roles with him. Yeah. Well, let's hope they invent something new for that too, you know, cuz that's look how excited the baby Yoda thing even though it's Yoda baby. That was such a stroke of genius. Yeah. And I think ideas like that. I 
I still can't believe that they kept it hidden so long. Oh, that, that was, was impressive. That was truly impressive. Not oh, even a hint. We we talked to what it was Molly and uh, Molly Miller, who's one of the stunt women on the show, and uh, Emily Swallow, and they they had pretty ironclad, if I remember right. Oh, yeah. Does that mean? Yeah, <laughs> they had pretty pretty ironclad uh, NDAs specifically mm-hmm. about that character. Absolutely, and they should have. <laughs> and, and for for that to happen, and no one break and eek oh my lord that's impressive well that's because no one was angry this is true too right yeah (laughs) a lot of love on that set obviously well what was it yeah um was it molly or was it emily that said they they didn't want to um i got a little bug bouncing around on my table but you can't recreate on green screen Um, exactly the uh they were afraid that it could be a career ender if they said something because yeah it would oh yeah even though it maybe it would maybe it wouldn't it's you screwed up a reveal from lucasfilm oh dude Mm -hmm. it would be a career ender for sure so (laughs) yeah i get that so yeah man we're we are gonna have to bring you over onto uh Wookie Radio. Oh, yeah. 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 I'm thinking, I know I'm saying this on air, but June 10th, we're going to do a discussion about uh, the 40th anniversary of Empire Strikes Back. Oh, dude, I'll be so into that. Cool. Let's count you. So you're saying you're going to be a part of that show? Absolutely. Perfect. I've seen the movie 83 times at the cinema. I think that qualifies me. (sighs) That's not enough. I suppose. That's, I was not, that's not enough. That's not enough. I was, I was 13. Yeah, sure. <laughs> and, and how many of those 83 times did you pay for? All of them. All right. Yeah. Hate to say it. I was, a, I, was a, I was a good little Christian boy back then. Suckers <laughs> written on your forehead. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's well, not like it was a bad movie. So. Well, because, no. Because of me, because of me they, they could afford one extra Ewok in Return of the Jedi. So there you go. There you go. <laughs> You're the one. <laughs> that's me. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of Ewoks, uh, how, how I Met Your Mother, did you ever see the episode of um, Neil Patrick Harris's character doing the Ewok theory no. of, of how no. old you are? Yeah. No, I haven't look, seen this. Look it up on YouTube. They have yeah. that whole set. He's dating a girl who claims to love. She, she, she says she's a certain age. And was it claims to not like the Ewoks or claims to like the uh, Ewoks? And yes, like that, yeah. yeah, got it. I know and, exactly where that goes. And, and he does this whole PowerPoint presentation that he gives to. Uh, I have seen to this. some I interns. Yeah, I have seen I this piece. It. Yeah, and, it's so true. It's so the, true. And then the best part is uh, the creative team for the show actually released the PowerPoint as is on YouTube as well. I'm like, yeah. oh, download. <laughs> yeah, I have yeah, actually but... seen that. And I'm a, I'm a good example. I mean, I know people maybe three or four years younger than me who are obsessed with Ewoks. I, I thought they were okay, but, you know. See, that, that's, yeah, that's how that's, I am, too. That's the house divided with me. My yeah. wife's four years younger than me. There you go. She fits. She loves the Ewoks. Yeah. yeah I love the cartoon. I love the oh, car- no, I mean, no, I loved no. them a little bit as a kid. Yeah. Oh, the, yeah. the Ewoks cartoon was definitely much better than oh. droids. See, I like droids better because they had land speeders. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay, then let me go to my, let me take my background off on Skype. I will leave Pee-wee's Playhouse. If you look oh. right there, yep. that is a cell from Ewoks. Oh, wow. You have a cell of Ewoks on the wall. 
I was so that's one of the uh, pack animals uh-huh. from the show. Wow! Now, obviously, if you've been active on Facebook and whatnot, you may have seen. Hey, go get this cell from Ewoks. Now, you you could buy a, an animation cell from Ewoks or some other cartoons from back in the day. Mm-hmm. As this company, I actually got this from um, Star Wars Hyperspace membership, the fan club membership. One year they were this was part of the membership packet that they sent wow. out. So I I got that from that. Wow, that's pretty. Cool. And I, really that that cool. came with the auth- certificate of authenticity too. So man, so I, see, I, I, I'd that's one of my pride possessions. The holiday special um, uh, <sighs> cartoon. No, I'd like it still. I would love thing. a. I would love a cell from oh, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. that would be awesome. Yeah. yeah, something special about that thing. Now I remember on the hyperspace forum on StarWars.com, people were talking about their cells. Oh, I got a hand. I got a hand and an eye, or I got a, I got a face, but nothing else. No, no head or or whatnot. And I just kept quiet as I'm like, I got a pack animal. You can actually mm-hmm. tell what the creature is. Yeah, <laughs> I got nice. that. So I don't yeah. know if this is actually one of the actual lead lead animals or not. I don't remember. I have to go back and watch the show. Um, but I mean, it's a it's a nice, impressive cell. There'll be a point you can freeze it and you can see that exact moment. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would love to know which episode. I, I'm sure, too, this is probably one that was probably reused quite a bit. Yeah. And different exactly. things and not redrawn. So Probably, yeah. yeah. But just to, just to have a piece of, of that cartoon. Now, I still would love to get a piece from, from droids. Yeah, that would be cool. Yeah. Oh, by the way, you know, while we're talking about that, I, I, it's a weird thing. You know, I've, the holiday special thing and all that, I was never, you know, nobody's really a fan of that. But if you ever get a chance, now that Carrie Fisher's passed away, I watched that that scene at the end when she sings a song, and mm. it it's so it was to me it was so irksome when I was a younger man. Now I watch it and she's passed away, and she sings the Star Wars theme at the end of the holiday special. It's so sweet. It's so magical because now she's gone. That's like a great moment, and you never would have expected that that moment would become special. We said. <laughs> that's it. Yep. it it brought me to tears after she died and I saw that I thought man who would have thought I wonder if that was played at her funeral I hope not <laughs> <laughs> I mean for, for me I mean I enjoyed the show as a whole but the, fir- the first part where you you get a half hour of nothing but <laughs> 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 And you're like, what in the world are they saying? Yeah. And why does that why does that Wookiee have a Bantha toy? Yeah. <laughs> That's what I was asking. Well, Chewie brought it back from Moss Eisley. Oh yeah. Or, there you go. See, thank you. See, that's, a, that's why they had the Toy Darien toy shop at Galaxy's Edge. Ah. At Disneyland and Disney World. Got it. I haven't been yet. Oh, you gotta go. I know. Oh. If you thought going and I know you've been lucky to go to some of the actual um, filming locations for Star Wars. I have shot in those exact locations, yes. You you will find going here just as magical. I, I used to live really close to the planet of the, of the Apes Beach. Oh, oh, wow. That's cool. I can go there anytime I want. <laughs> so, Statue yeah, of Liberty I, still I need to go. No, no. I, I'm looking always in the sand for pieces of it, but there's nothing. And that, that would be cool. Yeah, yeah. Oh, what was it? On, uh, was it on Memorial Day or uh, 
I think it was on Memorial Day, uh, NASA did a flyover of the Tunisia area with um, showing where, you know, with the satellite image showing where Obi-Wan's hut was, where they filmed for Obi-Wan's hut mm-hmm. and um, the Mos Eisley Cantina area and yeah. a few other spots that were supposed to be tattooing. Yeah. And did not know that Obi-Wan's hut was the remnants of a old mosque. Yeah. And it's, it's now being and it's now being used as storage for fishing supplies. I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if only they knew. Yeah. If only they knew. Yeah. You know. And that's the cool thing about the director from Rogue One. He actually as a younger man he went to Tunisia and to find the actual location of, you know, the Star Wars thing. You know. That for me said a lot, you know, that's why I think that's why that movie has, you know, has turned it turned out so well. Yeah. It's because there was a there was you know, there's a creative spirit behind it. Yeah. Well you know? and I love I love too with Rogue One. Uh, I always said it's the video game we never got as a kid mm-hmm. yeah. because it plays out because the movie plays out like a video game. Yeah. yeah. And and I love, too, how they said we intentionally went after doing a um, beachhead slash World War One, World War Two, Storm in the Beach type movie with it, mm. with the yeah. you know, yeah. vibe. And, and I like that. Because that's one of the things I like about Captain America First Avenger uh, and why that's one of my favorite MCU films. It's definitely my favorite of the three caps because it is a period piece. Yeah. And I love how Rogue One feels like a, a period piece to some extent, even though it's yeah. smack dab in the middle of the time wise, smack dab in the middle of the franchise. Yeah, exactly. I had something special about it. And it had Star Destroyers crashing into each other and, you know. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Glorious. Glorious. <laughs> yeah. And I love seeing the the nod to Return of the Jedi, where the Star Destroyer is crashing into the Shield Generation Shield Gener the, the Shield opening. Yeah. Like the the one like the Executor crashing into uh, the Death Star. Yeah. Yeah. That's that, true. I'm like, oh, okay, that's a brilliant nod. And in the original Return of the Jedi, originally there were the ships. Were, it was supposed to be a few of the X wings were going to smash into the Shield Generator and explode, and they couldn't. There was too many layers to do that, so they actually when they read it, when they did Rogue One and those X-Wings smash into the shield generator. That was yeah. kind of a throwback to that as well, because that was something they planned oh, to do. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know, little known yeah. facts. Uh, also a little known fact, I, I have to go back and listen, uh, but supposedly, uh, this was told to me by Chris Monkey, uh, who played Lieutenant Kirk, uh, Kurgan in, um, in A New Hope, or in Star Wars as we know it. Um, he was the officer that Vader talks to, and he goes, we, we've checked the ship and you know, in the hangar bay after the Falcon comes on, mm-hmm. and the crew, and the scan crew goes in, comes off. He, he's there. Yeah officer um supposedly there's a line where the emperor calls to to, to his character to say prepare my my shuttle mm-hmm. um once the attack was to start thinking that he was going to be able to sway luke to the dark side and then they were going to be able to escape no problem mm. I have not gone back to really listen. Every time I watch it, it's been on TNT. I haven't really broken out the DVD or, or watched my digital copy to to see, is that line really there? I'm hoping yeah. it is, because um, I, th- I think that would be a great nod to know, okay, his character survived the original destruction and has made it all the way to, to Return of the Jedi. Yeah, yeah. But now... Uh, have you seen the footage where someone took the the Top Gun theme and and played it with all the different X Wing? Uh, no, I haven't. Flight seen that. Oh my! Uh, or a mashup that is so awesome. Wow! It's the various 
X-Wing flight sequences from battle, going from Rogue One, from uh, the original films, I think even from the sequels. Oh, wow. Sequel trilogy. All but done they were, to they, the Danger Zone. But they were all based around real you know yeah. world war ii shots that's why it's so that's why it works so well probably um i think see this is where i love the other interesting bit of trivia uh red tails mm-hmm. when lucas did red tails he took all this since a lot of the flight sequences were with the planes were cg he took the everything that he did cg for the special editions of a new hope and then for Return of the Jedi, and use that for the same flight battles for... Oh, interesting. Oh, I gotta watch it. I gotta see that again now. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, that's that's cool. Yeah, yep, yeah, I get that's that. That's cool. Yep. So... <laughs> Because he did use the dogfight, the old World War II dogfights for inspiration for, yeah. for that. and that's why that's why it cuts so well, you know, and it's based in animatic. Yeah. You know, that's what he did. Yeah. That's so, what that was. Yeah, you see? I... I can't believe we've been we've had you on for as long as we've had. Oh, I'm so sorry. I, no, I no, it's great. <laughs> no, it's been great talking to you again. Yeah, well, as I said, look, if you want to talk Empire Strikes Back, I I, I could recite the movie backwards. So we may challenge we may challenge you on that. Now, on the tip. here's my question. Here's my question, Mike. Okay. If Dale comes back and joins us on Wookie Radio, not that is his third appearance. Or yeah. would that be a separate thing? That's a separate thing. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Okay. So we'll still have to have you on here yeah. another so you can be tied with Tracy. Yep. Maybe maybe when Time War comes out, because you'll have a lot of questions. A- after we get our Ooh, copies of definitely. Time War. Yeah. That's yeah. that's the blackmail. Yeah. Copy. copy <laughs> for, for your next appearance, we got to have physical copies of Time War and Age of Darkness. Yeah, I got to finish them first. <laughs> <laughs> no, we, we cannot wait. Uh, when Tracy told us that Time War is becoming a series, like, yes, please. Oh, yeah. I, it's pretty much shot, just so you know. And it's it's rough cut, and I mean it's all it's all, we're in we're in post production. So, do, do you have distribution laid out yet, or is that the next step? No, I'll tell you why not. Because I don't want to lock myself into somebody. I don't think Disney will take it because it's got a little bit too extreme for Disney. Um, but you know, there's nothing nothing makes me happier than having a bidding war. And if you sign with somebody now, I mean, I'm, I'm getting messages, you know, I get them through my Facebook even, you know, distribution companies all the time because my stuff in the past oh, wow. sold very well. So they know, I'm, right. you know, I'll make some money for them. But I'm just not engaging in any, any conversations until we have a finished piece because, okay, here's a finished product. Um, then we can have a bidding war maybe or, you know, wait for an offer to come in that's valid and, and – Go from there. You know, it's if you're in a much stronger position because if somebody kicks in now, they'll want to have a say in how it how it's finished. Uh, I don't want that. You know, right. I, I want to keep control. See, here's the challenge that I've got for you. Your next project that you film that takes place in modern times. I know that that, that, that doesn't make sense to me, but <laughs> it takes it takes place in present time. Yeah, Weeby Geeks is playing in the background. Well, that's easy. Well, that I could do. That's that's a piece of cake. You could still be in the future. You can't be in the past, but I could definitely put you in the future. Yes. Oh, 
do that. True, very true. I'll have you on the radio somewhere. I could, I could sneak you into an old, old one of the even one of the older movies if it gets recut. That would be a piece of cake. See, Derek, I'm gonna get us on screen somehow. Even if it's on vocal. screen, even if it's vocally. If you can stand on a blue screen or green screen with a with a good camera and just stand there, and look at stuff. I could put you in a crowd. <laughs> I'd rather. I think for me, it'd be cool to go. No, wait, that's our show. <laughs> And just, yeah, it's on the radio in the background for for this entire sequence. There you go. Or I could put put a logo on a spaceship or something. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Yeah, that's cool. easy. These are easy easy things to do. Oh. <laughs> that sounds awesome. Yes. Where can people find you online? Uh, I think the easiest way is www.empiremotion.pictures. Empiremotion.pictures, and that was the website. Uh, I think you can right now buy buy very cheaply Rogue Warrior as a download, a 4K version or an HD version. Uh, and uh, I think another movie, all my old movies are going to be on there soon. But currently there's only Chrononaut and Rogue Warrior uh, available to purchase fairly cheap. Don't worry, I'll send you a link. <laughs> I was going to say, there, I was looking at um, when I was on there the other night because I have actually entered all three of the shows for the podcast awards. Yes, it's one of the few things I, it's it's one of the few things in life I can do is is uh, I've wanted to be do because I was I've been a judge at film festivals, but I can't really have my own film festival because that would be a conflict of interest. But I can have a podcast award. And uh, right now it's in its very, very early days. And you guys are, I think, one of the first entries into the podcast. So there you go. I'd say your odds are good, but I can't promise anything because, you know, it it wouldn't be any fun. Well, that that would be unfair. It would be very unfair. Hey, that's why I'm saying it here so other podcasters could jump in and and get on board as well. And they should. And they should. Um, Competition will be tough. Looking at, I went to the homepage, looking at your movie post. Posters, which I would love to get a movie poster for Rogue Warrior. Uh, that that just looks mm. awesome. Um, but I want to know when you're going. I, I want to get copies of uh, Star the Starship series, Starship Rising and Apocalypse. Look amazing. Oh yeah, there were that. Well, that, all of that. I, I okay. I know we got to wrap. I'll give you a funny story on that one. Um, <laughs> I the, the 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 main spaceship in that. It's a. Uh, it's a giant. Uh, I didn't realize this until it came out, and the distributor says, "Oh, that's very funny. You, you did a big spaceship in the shape of a penis." And I said, like, "Oh no, I didn't." And I looked at it, and they were so right. And I did not know. I did not know. Um, so you know, to be to be fair. Um, I don't remember the author because I was, God, I was a kid. I was preteens, 10, 11, 10, 10 to 14 time period. Every time we moved and we went to the library, I always went to try and check out. I, I always judged, is this a good library if they had this one book? And it was um, this guy's concept art for different spaceships. It was not Ralph McQuarrie. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it was Geiger. But this whole book was nothing but different ships. And they were like between fighters and huge like freighters and cruisers. And I'm like, this is so awesome. I wonder how he came up with all of this. And they were essentially art books of these ships. Oh, I I, awesome. I couldn't even begin to tell you what I'd be looking for now with them. Oh, it's, <laughs> or, I'm or obsessed with spaceships. It was I'm just all. It was right great. up my alley. I would love to see that. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, if you see my other films, they're all. Sp- there's a lot of spaceship stuff. Yeah. Uh, Humanity's End is another film you would like. It's one of my older films, but it's it's pretty much a hand solo movie 
but yeah. done in a time when there was no Star Wars or, you know, I mean, 2005, 2006, you know, was not a good time to do a Star Wars Han Solo-y type movie. It's like a, like a, I'd say a bad version of Han Solo, a bit more of a, um, a bit more of a sad Han Solo, shall we say. No, I, I, I'm looking at the poster now. I see it. I, that would be another one I'd be interested in. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll steer you to the good ones. Don't worry. <laughs> They'll all be available with fairly soon to buy. So you know, sweet. Be, 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 be. Um, awesome. There's Blu-rays out there too. There's just uh, these companies, uh, you know, who are putting these online for me. So it's a little bit of a slow process. So there'll be Blu-rays available very soon of all the films. You know, some of the old films are not as good, but you know we had low budgets, and yeah. and that was the way that I was. It was Neil Johnson trying to do, you know, high-end Star Warsy type movies with a very yeah. small budget. So you know. Well, and like I said, I know Derek and I. We both have uh, DVDs of Rogue Warrior. We both got them on Amazon. So mm-hmm. very um, nice. Uh, as a matter of fact, I have one right here. Oh, look at that! Mine, mine, I put back in. Uh... Here's my copy. Oh, God bless you. You my, haven't seen anything that stuff. you see it. You see it in the true 4K version. It is massive well, 4K. Well, I'll, I will. I don't admit, have a 4K TV, unfortunately. But I do have a 4K TV, but I don't have be a goal. But I don't have a 4K video player or That's DVD. Okay. I, I don't have the 4K disc player. Disc but player. my but my Blu-ray player will stream 4K. Yeah, this this will play off a USB stick or something. Well, we've got we've got high def and we've got 4K versions. Sweet. And uh, you know, I think Starship Rising was also the same and all that. So you know, I got a few 4K things out now, there. I, I will I will I will admit I did take my copy of Rogue Warrior um, and I did rip a copy so I could have it to play on my iPad to watch it at work. That's okay. But I but I watched the but I watched the disc here at home though. That's okay. You're well so, within your legal rights to do that. Just so you know, I, it's all personal use stuff. So yeah, exactly. No, but, that's you know, I would have. I wanted a digital version. I want an HD version out there, and they didn't do it. So yeah, you know, it, it's it's well within your rights. But I'll give you a download because you've already, you know, I've already got. I've already got. Well, sorry, Sony has already got your money. <laughs> Which I'll never see a cent off, <laughs> but I'll be glad to help you out with the digital version. <laughs> oh, that's cool. Yes. See, now we need the special edition Neil Johnson extended cut, extended director's cut of Rogue Warrior. Screw Zack Snyder and his Snyder oh, yeah. cut of Justice League. We need the Johnson cut of Johnson oh, really? special edition extended director's cut of Rogue Warrior. Age of Darkness will be that. Will be that. Perfect. Movie, Perfect. <laughs> All six hours of it. All six Perfect. hours. And more Marilyn Gigliardi and more William Kircher in the, in the, you know, in those and way more Tracy Birdsell than you could ever awesome. possibly want. And, and the best part is if you gotta go to the bathroom, yeah, you could just hit pause. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, thank you for joining us this week. Uh, I know I can speak for both of us uh, on this one safely. One of the few times I can, we are looking forward to having you on June 10th <laughs> over on Wookiee radio as well. Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait. I'm happy so, to talk about yeah, Star Wars. It makes yeah. me happy. So that, that's going to be fun. So uh, thank you again. That's this awesome. is when you're on. We tend to get our epic shows because it's our longer <laughs> shows, and it's awesome. Excellent. It's awesome because it does Excellent. not. Time flies. Yeah, that's what, that's what makes podcasting yeah. fun. Exactly, and that's why it's I listen. A fun and a fun show. Oh so, yeah. Oh yeah. Um. So uh, with that, there's only one thing left to be said. Want to know more? <laughs> Thank you. 
So, um, the bad crowd you've been hanging out with is a science fiction club? This has been a Weeby Geeks production. I have a really bad feeling about this.